Welcome to the Word at First Prez. The sermon you're about to hear is not part of a regular sermon series. It stands on its own and can be instructive to our Christian faith in its own way, even though it's not linked to other sermons. I hope you enjoy. Now let us continue our worship with our first scripture, coming from 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the parent loves the child. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey his commandments. For the love of God is this, that we obey his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God conquers the world, and this is the victory that conquers the world, our faith. Who is it that conquers the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not with the water only, but with the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one that testifies, for the Spirit is the truth. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of John, the 15th chapter, verses 9 through 17. Listen for the word of God as it comes to us today. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer, because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends, because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I was texting with my middle child a couple of weeks ago Jenny is also a Presbyterian minister and had just been asked to preach for May 9th, and so we were comparing the texts that we were going to use. After we had been texting back and forth for a few minutes, she suddenly said, wait, Mom, you're preaching on Mother's Day? Don't you have two male colleagues? Yes, I thought to myself, I do, and yet... Here I am. I'm okay with being here, though, because I am preaching on my personally favorite theme. There is a saying that every pastor has one or two sermons, and all their sermons are just reflections of those main sermons. I suppose if I had only one or two sermons, the 
theme, the main focus, would always be on love. The love God has for us, as well as the love that we are invited to have for one another. So today I preach about love, commanded love, demanded love, love that changes us and our world, love that we choose, love that our world needs right now. The verses that I read from John this morning, I find to be empowering, comforting, and terrifying all at the same time. Jesus has just finished talking to his disciples about the vine and the branches, about the importance of being attached to the vine so that you can produce good, healthy fruit. In this parable, Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches invited to produce this good, healthy fruit. We can only do that when we are connected to the vine, when we are connected to God through Jesus. After this parable, Jesus reminds the disciples and us of the most important commandment that we love one another as God has loved us. The word love is used five times in John 15, verse 9. It's used as both a verb, an action, and as a noun. It is used 11 times in verses 9 through 17. We cannot underestimate the importance of this command to love, and it is just that, a command. It is not an invitation. It is not a, oh, by the way, if you feel like it. It is an imperative. Belief in Jesus, on the one hand, and love for our neighbors within the church and well beyond the church cannot be separated. If we say we follow the way of Jesus, if we call ourselves Christians, then we must love not just some, but everyone. And to make it terrifying, we are invited to love in a way that means we are willing to lay down our life for someone else. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. This is the tough, scary love. This is complicated love. 
It is the kind of love that Alex talked about a few weeks ago when he focused his sermon on our mission, choose love, be the light, change the world. This love is the kind of love that is found in the strongest marriages, the happiest families, and between the best of friends. It is also the kind of love that is found in the healthiest churches. This is the kind of love that encourages parents to bring forth their children for baptism. It is a love that goes beyond feeling. It is a love that is unconditional and oriented to others. It is the kind of love that invites us to act for another even when it may take our own life. This love is only possible when we live abiding in God, connected to the vine. This love is the love that produces the fruit that God is wanting from us. Our culture casually substitutes desire for duty when using the language of love. Love, as we understand and accept it culturally, waxes and wanes. Our attitude is enjoy it while you've got it and let it go when it's not important anymore. Please do not hear me suggesting that you are required to stay in a marriage or a relationship that is abusive and toxic. I'm not advocating that we stick with another person at all costs because Jesus wants us to lay down our life. It's not that kind of love either. I am telling you that the love that Jesus is commanding his disciples to have is a love that is based on a commitment, a decision. It's about more than just a feeling you might have toward something or someone on a good day. It's an act of will. As one writer puts it, loving as Jesus commands us to love involves duty and obligation, as well as joy and delight. Sometimes we give up on this kind of love before we even start. It is hard to love in this way. It is frightening. It is rare. It is certainly not what everybody else is doing. It is what we are commanded to do because we are children of God. We call ourselves children of God. We call ourselves Christian. It is possible to love in this way because we abide in God. We live in this kind of love through our relationship with God. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. When we follow the way of Jesus, we live in this kind of love. It never deserts us or betrays us or abandons us. It is always there in us, with us, through us, and for us. When we live in this love, when we abide in God, it is possible to produce the fruit of love that God demands. 
This commanded love pushes us out of our comfort zone. We are to love others with whom we live in our homes and our families with this abiding love that grows out of our understanding of how God is loving us. That's the first place we may see this kind of love. I remember one evening coming home after a long day. Katie, our oldest, was probably about 10. I had all three kids. No doubt Ken was at a church meeting. And all of a sudden, Katie looked at me and said, I don't think I'm going to be a mom when I grow up. That stopped me in my tracks. Why not, I asked. Well, her 10-year-old self said to me, it just seems like it's lots of work, and the mom has to do everything. Katie is, and always has been, a very insightful individual. Yes, I admitted to her, moms seem to be responsible for a lot of things. One thing I will tell you for sure, you have to put your children ahead of yourself. If you don't want to do that, don't have children. But if you're willing to do that, I will tell you it's worth every minute. I can't imagine my life without all three of you. Yes, I did have a habit of talking to my children in a way that may have been beyond their years. And I also had the habit of giving them way too much information. I am glad to report that they are successfully working out this problem with their therapists, and we still have a good relationship. Being a mother means sacrificing yourself for others whom you love. This commandment to love in a sacrificial way is not just for mothers, however. It is for every single person who understands themselves as a beloved child of God. When we follow the way of God, we are commanded to love others in a way that might cost our life. This love extends beyond our families. We are also commanded to love others in our faith community, not just the ones who think like us or who look like us, not just the ones who volunteer all the time, not just the ones who come every week and make their children sit still in the pew, not just the ones who agree with us. We are commanded to love every single one of the members of our faith community, regardless of what they think, how they look, where they come from, or whether or not their children are kicking the back of your pew. Wow. Now the third part of this command extends to the world. We are to love every neighbor. And by neighbor, I really mean stranger. And by stranger, I might even mean people of whom you are afraid. Like the Samaritan who helps the Jewish man. Remember, there was that long history of animosity between the Samaritan and the Jew. And yet, when the Samaritan sees the Jew hurt and dying on the side of the road, he lays down his own life. He stops his journey. He stops what he is doing. He administers first aid. 
He brings the man to a hotel. He pays for the hotel. He waits another day to make sure this Jewish man is going to be okay. And then he goes on his way, but pays for the rest of this man's care. The Samaritan delayed his trip. He laid down his agenda, his life, for his enemy. That's the kind of love that we are commanded to give. Last Saturday, my husband Ken and I decided to join with a group that was marching to support youth. The march was in the Lawndale neighborhood, a neighborhood which many of us in this church would choose to avoid due to its notoriety for gangs, for guns, and for drugs. It was a beautiful day last Saturday, and we walked about a mile and a half down 16th Street, turned left on Kedzie, and headed to a park. We were with a group of about five or 600 strangers, all marching for our youth. That was the theme. There were three or four other church members there. We were surprised by the heavy police presence. We brought up the back of this march that included about 500 people, and behind us were four police SUVs. Alongside of us were police on bicycles, and walking with us were other police officers. There was no animosity between the marchers and the police. In fact, we stopped at one quarter and, and heard a speech from the captain of the 10th district. There was a lot of talk about the need to work together. There are a lot of empty lots and boarded up buildings in Lawndale. Apparently, buildings were burned out by the riots that followed the death of Dr. Martin Luther King. Jr. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. lived in that area of Chicago for a while. So when he was assassinated, people rioted, burned out the buildings, and they were never, many of them were never rebuilt. We passed by vacant lots that had big signs of hope-filled messages painted on pieces of plywood. Other vacant lots were being turned into urban gardens, and the gardeners that were working in them waved to us as we walked by. We headed to a park off Kedzie, where booths were set up by local organizations. There were a lot of free giveaways, shoes, food. The Wyman, an organization in Lawndale, was selling their specially made hot sauce made by youth from their homegrown peppers in their urban garden. I sat on a park bench and watched the people around me, watched as two little boys played together. Actually, I think they may have been brothers because it looked more like they were tormenting each other than playing together. And all of a sudden, I noticed that they had on these black t-shirts and in big white letters on the front, it read, Don't shoot me. 
on an eight-year-old and a five-year-old. I was stunned, stunned by the harsh reality in which those children live. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Love, commanded, demanded, chosen. Imagine a world filled with this kind of love. Imagine our community, our home, our church, our lives filled with a love that is willing to lay down its life for another. Imagine a place where police and people are always working together and where there are no children who need to wear t-shirts that read, Don't Shoot Me. Jesus' commandment to love in this way requires serious sacrifice on our parts. The cost is astonishingly high. This love requires our heart, the place where we carry the very beat of our own life. It involves giving our heart to God and to others much in the same way that we would give our heart to someone who needed a new organ. We are uncomfortable with this, with this thought. Even the consideration that the heart of the gospel is found in the commandment to love in a way that means we let go of our own lives. The heart of the gospel demands that we be willing to put down our shopping list and sit with a neighbor who just received devastating news. It commands us to lay down our Starbucks coffee and give the extra $5 to feed a hungry family or help someone make rent so they don't end up sleeping in their car. The kind of love that Jesus demands from us is the kind of love that means we lay aside our comfort and listen very carefully for what God is asking us to do. The commandment to love is a lifelong commandment. We will never be able to check it off our to-do list. We will never be done living out this commandment. As we grow, as we age, as life circumstances change, our ability and the way we fulfill the commandment will change. But still, we fulfill the commandment. Love. Love. Commanding. Demanding. Never-ending. Love. Love that brings joy and wholeness. Love that shows we are the ones who have been called and chosen and sent. Love that our world needs now.
but for everyone. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.firstpresah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Pres family of faith.